ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of the 14160 EN podcast. We are on number 124. We've got a very action-packed episode for you today. But first, let me introduce you to our panel. As always, we've got Chris. How are you today, Chris? I'm doing. I'm doing good. Um, you know, it's a. Uh, it's not the the, the the easiest result to take. Um, you know, we're used to similar results in games like this, but you know, felt like we kind of uh, earned this one more than others. And uh, being two games back of Benfica this early isn't ideal, but um, yeah, lo- long way to go, as we know. So yeah, I- I'm happy to be here with everyone tonight. Yes, most definitely. And we've got the return of a man who we've not seen for quite a while, Steph, the patron. How are you doing today, mate? I'm doing pretty good. I mean, the, the, the tie, I didn't like it because we dominated the game, even, even though Porto had the, uh, a little bit of more possession than we did, and we'll talk about, about more in detail. I mean, I think it was 52% when we had 46%. Uh, but the way we tied the game, I couldn't believe it. We could have won it easily 4-1 or 4-2. Uh, but we'll talk about it more in detail. But nevertheless, it's it's good to complain about a tie when in the past we were concerned about losing all the time against Porto and Benfica. Now we, we're we not happy with ties. So it's it's a progression. Most times they'll take the 1-1, and, you know, and just yeah. both teams will just kind of take it. I'm sure, I mean, they, they'll probably take it, to be honest. Yeah. Thank you. Definitely. And last but not least, we've got our special guest today. He's the co-creator of Breaking the Lines and has over 45,000 Twitter followers on his personal page and also 50, over 50,000 followers on his Breaking the Lines Twitter page. Mr. Zach Lowy. Zach, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me on, Sam. It was a pleasure, pleasure to come on. I believe this is our third podcast uh, that we've been on after PT Footy and Cortellinius. Um, yep. I actually just finished recording a Cortellinius podcast today with um, fellow Sportingista, Manik Manuel Mane. We discussed the weekend's action, um, as well as, of course, the sporting game. So, yeah, really excited to be on. Um, it's, a, it's a pleasure to to be on the Sporting 160 EN podcast, hopefully the first of many. And, uh, yeah, hopefully hopefully having you, hopefully I'll have you back on Cortellinius sooner rather than later. Yeah, definitely. Um, I'm not sure if you wanted to give a... I gave you a quick overview there. If you wanted to explain um, what your Twitter's about, what Breaking the Lines is about, if you just wanted to give us a quick overview for people who might not be familiar. Yeah, of course. So Breaking the Lines, I mean, we are a football-based uh, football football website, um, really trying to cover every angle um, of football. Uh, we just posted a really lengthy tactical analysis on uh, Everton's start under Rafa Benitez, currently level um, with with Manchester United and, and Chelsea and Liverpool at top of the Premier League. So definitely check that out. But but we try to focus on really every angle. We just did one on uh, on Wayne Rooney, um, his evolution as a player. But we're also you know covering Portuguese football as well on both in terms of articles um, as well as uh, as as well as. Um, with my Cortalinish podcast, which is a weekly podcast that I record every Monday, um, discussing the weekend's action. So definitely check out that podcast. Um, a bit more of a like a, a league wide um, podcast on, on on the full action. Um, and yeah, we are we are really just trying to cover all angles and, and increase the quality. So really excited about what we've got planned. Um, and I've actually got an interview lined up. 
with an ex-sporting player this week. So pretty excited for that. Um, and and yeah, definitely definitely one definitely something to keep an eye on. <laughs> definitely, we'll keep an eye on that one. Um, as you may have noticed, there is no um, Danny. He's actually in Portugal at the moment, probably drinking a few beers and getting absolutely hammered. So. Uh-huh. Best of luck to Danny. We know we've got Lauren out there as well. Um, Aaron Barton's out there. We've got loads of people out there at the moment. So hope you're all safe, but hope you're all having a good time as well. Um, as Danny is usually the host of this, I'm going to try and get to Twitter questions like he does, but I am very not not very good at um, StreamYard. So I'll give it a go. Um, let me just get it up for you. Can you see that here? Yeah. You go. Uh, I'll give this one to you first, uh, Zach. Um, how good of a signing do you think Sarabi will turn out to be for this season? And what position do you think he'll mostly be used in? Yeah, that's a really tough one, honestly. Um, Pablo Sarabia, I think, I I mean, looking at the, the player, the quality of the player and, and just what he's achieved, um, it's hard to think that he won't be a starter. The question is where, though. You know, where where exactly does he fit in? Because he sort of plays the same position as Pedro Gonçalves, who I would argue is is, is probably your best player. Um, and so it's hard to say, you know, where exactly can they play together? I think that they can, um, but it's it's a bit tricky, you know. Um, the way I see it, I think I think you know Sarabia, if he is a starter, I think would probably be on the right flank. Um, Pedro maybe being shifted to the left. I'm, I'm not quite sure. Um, and, and maybe, uh, Jovan Cabral playing like a false nine role. Um, I mean, I, I'm sure we'll talk about Paulinho soon, but he isn't exactly like convinced that he's worthy of a, of a starting spot, you know? Um, so, so yeah, the way I would see it is probably having one of those players playing in a false nine, maybe, maybe Sarabia, honestly, maybe Sarabia. Sarabia playing the false nine, but yeah, the thing I think that I think that Sarabia, you know, if he can if he can deliver that same form that he showed um, at Sevilla just a few seasons ago, I think I think it could end up making the Nuno Mendes uh, sale a lot easier to bear for sporting fans because look, I mean, PSG are paying the entirety of Sarabia's loan of of, of his of his wages. Um, I don't think that Sporting have an option to buy, but it's still still a nice move considering the fact that they basically gifted you, you know, a player who was starting for Spain in the Euros for, for a year. Um, so, and, and, and the fact is also one thing that's, that's great about Sarabia is um, he really doesn't need to play well to, to make an impact. I think that's one thing that he is almost similar uh, to, to Pedro Gonçalves with, you know, um, even no, no matter whether, you know, he was the star of that Sevilla team a few years ago, or if he's just coming off the bench like he's been doing for PSG for the last few seasons, he still he still finds a way to to rack up good numbers um, and make an impact. So I like I like the Sarabia move. I think that um, you know it's not having an option to buy is it is kind of um, I, I don't want to say that it's like terrible that 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 that's only a dry loan, but but it's uh, it's not quite you know. Pedro Poro, shall we say, you know, where Sporting have an option to buy. Um, but still, you're getting a a, an, a Spain international on loan without paying a single cent of his wages. Like, that's a pretty damn good deal for me. Um, and I think that he has enough quality to to make himself a fit in Sporting's team. 
The issue is, though, I feel like Sporting, they for me, they needed um, they needed more of a of a goal poacher of a of an inside box poacher. Um, is Sarabia that kind of guy? I'm not sure. Um, but but I think that you know he isn't he isn't exactly a a like for like fit in that center forward position, which is for me that was their biggest weakness in attack. But uh, the fact is, he's still a quality player. And I, I feel like Amorim will will manage to find a way to include him into the team, whether it's coming off the bench or or in the starting lineup. Yeah, definitely um, agree with all of that. Um, I'll give this one next to to you, Steph. Um, how heartbroken are you to lose Nuno Mendes, considering the fee? Because um, we haven't heard from you since the deal was done, at least on the podcast, anyway. How are you feeling about the fee um, and the players involved? I think it's uh, it, it it was expected. Uh, it's it, it was one of the uh, players that uh, we knew from the get go that he could have been uh, sold, and he was. Uh, even though it's a loan of seven million dollars or seven million euros, uh, it's still a good deal. Even if he comes back, uh, I don't think he will come back. I think the deal is a, it's completely done by PSC Paris Saint Germain. Um, so forty-seven thousand. Uh, 47 million euros. It's a good deal. Um, I know the. Um, I know it was the the, uh, the selling clause was 70, which I found it excessive. And uh, I, I never thought we would sell them for that price. Uh, but we have to keep into uh, keep into my, into play that uh, Sporting Benfica and Porto. Uh, we need to sell to. Um, um, to to balance out the uh, our accounts, um, that that's that's the the uh, uh, the way Portuguese the Portuguese league is designed. It's like a farm league. Uh, we make players, and then we hope that Premier League uh, teams, uh, or in this case, it was a French team from La Ligue, uh, uh, they buy our players for a good amount of money. Um, so am I am I sad about it? Of course I am because he's a great player, but at the same time. All of us, at one point, uh, we, we spoke about it offline that we expected him to be sold, and he was. Um, I mean, I would rather him to be sold than uh, Pelinha or Mateus Nunes, because that's our midfield, and they've been playing really well. Uh, best of luck to him. We'll miss him. Uh, but at the same time, Ruben, uh, Ruben Vinagre is a great left back, and we have uh, Zgayu, uh that can play both. And then we have a couple more players from the youth academy, the up and coming, and the, the 16 years old from Football Club Porto. We got, I know he's only 17, but he seems to be a really good player in that position as well. So I'm not really that concerned. Uh, and all I got to say is best of luck to, uh, to Noon Menge in Paris Saint Germain. And if I could just add to what Steph was saying, I mean, I think that I totally agree. If I would rather sell Nuno Mendes um, than than draw Paulinha, for example, or or Pedro Gonçalves, even um, going back a few months, I think I would have rather sold Mateus Nunes than either. But Mateus is becoming a really important player, and I think you know maybe they could have gotten twenty million for him last summer, but they might be able to get like forty million for him. Um, next summer if he continues at this rate. And the fact is, I mean, bringing in a guy like Ruben Vinagre um, 
I think it, it indicated that Sporting were going to sell Nuno Mendes uh, either either this summer or you know within the next 12 months. Um, they eventually sold him this you know just after one full season, which I think is a bit depressing. The fact that you know Portuguese, even a massive Portuguese team like Sporting, can't hold on to their best players. Um, but with that being said, they've still brought in a lot of quality players and getting Vinagre for a fraction of the price um, that they sold Mendes for, or, or that they will sell Mendes for. I think even though it's not option to buy, I think it's pretty much, I think that's pretty much just a workaround of FFP. I think that it's pretty much um, confirmed. So yeah, as, as Steph mentioned, I would rather sell Mendes than Palinha or Pote. Yeah, um, I can't disagree. I feel like um, Matheus Nunes, like you said, next season can go for, for quite a bit. Um, Link to Ever- Everton um, decided not to happen. But, you know, we, we, I mean, we're going to be a selling club for the foreseeable future. So it, it's probably going to happen. But um, Chris, um, in terms of Vinagre, do you think he can be uh, a Nuno uh, Mendes replacement? How do you think he'll fit into to the role of replacing him? I think the one thing that's noticeable about being out is, I mean, I, I'm I'm pretty sure if it's not if it's not every game, it's every game but one of them that he has started. He's been substituted, and I read somewhere that he was on some sort of training plan, try to get him up to speed and able to last ninety minutes. So he kind of is like giving me like Quinn Throne vibes, where is like is this is this guy very susceptible to muscle injuries? I honestly. If this was a known thing, if like Wolves fans already knew this or whatever, I I, I, I was unfamiliar that he was a rubber band uh, muscle kind of guy. But if so, then uh, yeah, let's just hope he stays healthy then. And if, if if it means seventy minutes, I guess that's better than than seventy minutes of Mateus Race. But if you're if, it, if we're gonna be seeing Mateus Race like in in almost every game down like the rest of the way. Uh, it's gonna bite us in the ass eventually. Yeah, number um, one, rice fan and land. Nah, we all hate Matus Rice equally over here. <laughs> we all, I think everyone, especially after what game, a red card game, definitely did not help his est- like his estimation going up with sportive fans. Unfortunately. But you know, it's, it's it's the season's still young. He could definitely turn out to be an average player at best. Um, but Steph, I have this next question uh, from Rick. Um, up to you. Um, we'll get into the the cases in the game and the refereeing. But um, this season, at least, how are you seeing the officiating in Portugal? Do you think it's been been honest and fair? Do you have any sort of questions or any anything about it? I don't think Steph's here. Uh, Chris, if, if you don't mind taking that one for me. Yeah, I mean, I I guess it's 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 had its moments already. I think this was a big controversial match week, I guess you could call it. There was definitely some controversy. If there's controversy in a Classico or a Derby, it's going to be big news. And if there's controversy in the Classico and this, con- I mean, I guess the Mayfica game, the controversy in the Mayfica game ended up being overshadowed because they absolutely spanked Santa Clara. So the uh, 
the uh, un- the the kick to the head <laughs> we, we kind of was it was an overshadowed moment, but I'm pretty sure that happened when it was zero zero. So uh, maybe if that if that's a, if that sends Benfica down to ten men at zero zero, it's a different game. But yeah, it's definitely one that uh, I think kind of got lost in the in the shuffle. I mean, it, it's it's it, it's going to be what it is, right? I think we can all agree that it's probably better with the VAR, but at the same time, in this match week as well, we have a goal ruled. I mean, I've never seen it before. This is the first time I've ever seen it. We had a one centimeter goal ruled out. We've I've only ever seen two. I think Sporting Morelos last season we had a two centimeter goal ruled out. Thought I'd never see. I thought I'd never see the one, but we saw it in the Vizela game. I mean, that's just absurd, right? <laughs> I mean, yeah, I, I guess it, what it, I guess it is what it is. Is all I can say about the refereeing. It'll be interesting. I do hope that we get the French ref, like the one French ref a week, like relatively soon, just because like I wanna, I wanna take it in to see what happens. Or one of the big three get the French ref, just so we can see, you know, what the reaction is. Uh, you know, just just to feel it out. You know. Well, I see Braga got the French ref last week, and it was boring nil nil. So I don't think anything like no one, yeah, no one, no one, no one really made a peep about it. So yeah, it'll be interesting if there's controversy with the French ref, and it's one of the big three. Oh man, <laughs> yeah, I mean it's it's going to be a time when that happens, and Twitter will definitely explode on that one. Um, <laughs> I'll take the next one. Um, I I about Paulinho. Um, you need some bench time to give Thiago Thomas some shine. I mean, it's probably going to happen sooner or later, especially with all the, the fixtures coming up. Um, and I don't know, maybe Thiago Thomas might be better in some games than Paulinho. At the moment, they're both sort of level in estimation at the moment. I wouldn't put one above the other at the moment. Um, all, I, I personally prefer Paulinho, but I mean, something's got to change up there, I feel. <laughs> well, I honestly, I can't, I can't. I mean, it's not, to be fair, Thiago Thomas wasn't an option for this last game. Um, but overall, I, I still have to think that I, I'd prefer Paulinho over Thiago Tomas if I'm going to have to start one week in, week out. Yeah. Um, Zach, what are your thoughts on um, Thiago Tomas? Have you seen much of him and, and what do you think of him as a, as a starter, at least? <laughs> I know your thoughts on Thiago Tomas, Sam. <laughs> um, <laughs> no. <laughs> Look, it's clear that I mean, I think that Thiago Tomas was, um, he still is quite raw, but um, I think he does offer certain things that Paulinho doesn't. Um, You know, I think Paulinho probably more suited for for a false nine role, uh, whether good or bad. (laughs) I think that some people would call him a false player on, 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 in the Porto match. But um, I think, you know, looking at Paulinho, we saw a lot of him, you know, dropping deep and like dragging other players out of position and allowing, you know, like Nuno Santos and Jovan to to exploit that space. But um, sometimes you just need a threat in the box, you know. And I think that Thiago isn't quite he he isn't like I, I wouldn't say that he's like a Slamani or a Yaremchuk kind of player, you know. But but he is also I I think he's he's a lot more mobile. I would say than Paulinho. I think that he's more more capable of you know exploiting um the depth one one thing that i think that you know musa marega was great at you know whatever you think of marega he was great at you know 
at, at exploiting that space. I think that's one thing. That's almost a similarity that I see between the two players. Um, he's, he's definitely still raw, but, but he's a young player. Came up with some big goals last season. I remember him scoring, it was like a 78th minute goal against, I forgot who it was. Maybe Santa Clara. I, I, I I'm not sure who it was, but it was a. It was to, a to be fair, it's actually underrated. Like his finishing yeah. off crosses and stuff is actually a bit underrated. Yeah, no, um, exactly. You would think I mean, he'd be worse at it because of his size. He's actually not that bad, to be honest. And I mean, you look at like Paulinho, who, like, I'm not trying to rag on him, but this man was going up against a 38 year old Pepe, and he still looked like the slower of the two. I mean, seriously, man, you paid what 16 million, 18 million for this guy. And he's getting outpaced by like a 38-year-old Pepe. Like that's just disgraceful for me. I don't like. I know that Amorim really likes Paulinho. Um, otherwise, he wouldn't have brought him. You know, he he knows how good he can be from his time at Braga. But um, I just think that Paulinho just isn't offering enough to be a fixed starter in this team. Um, the fact is, you know, dude. Do Sporting win the title with Paulinho in, in the lineup last season? I mean, I know he came up with some big goals, but the fact is he only started um, a small minority of, of the games. You know, Thiago Tomas started a lot more games than, than Paulinho did. So, frankly, I think that Paulinho, I feel like he would have been more useful against, against uh, Porto, just in terms of... And I, I mean, you also looked at Porto almost playing a high line at the start. Um, I think that Thiago Tomas's explosive movements would have been really massive for that. Um, but in, in general, I mean, Sporting should have won that game, and they 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 didn't win it because one, in part of the man of the match, who was in my opinion Diogo Costa, absolutely superb goal, so superb superb performance in goal, but also some poor finishing. You know, you expect likes of Nuno Santos. Obviously, he scored, but but you know other players, Nuno Santos, uh, Jovan. A lot of these players had had good chances that you expect them to finish. Um, and ironically, I think that Sporting, you know, they one of the reasons why they were so good last season is because of their efficient finishing. They didn't even need they didn't really need a lot of chances to score, um, despite the fact that they didn't have um, they 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 didn't have Paulinho until January. Um, and they were playing, you know, a fairly inexperienced front line. They were very efficient in finishing. Now, I don't know, maybe we're seeing it, we're seeing them almost regress to the mean, you know? Yeah. Um, I mean, you hit it pretty much nail on the head. Um, Steph, um, following from Zach's point, um, would you say to, um, sorry, um, this guy's question, um, do you think striker is our, our biggest weakness or our main weakness, or do you think we have somewhere else, another position that you think is, is weaker than that? I think, yeah. I think the biggest uh, weakness we have now, it's uh, the striking position, without a doubt. Uh, I mean, Paulinho is he, not delivering when he's supposed to. He, he's, he's had plenty of chances to score. And he, when when you're striking, you don't you don't put it away. Uh, game after game, the pressure is going to be on you, and that's what's going on with Paulinho. Uh, like Zach was saying, Jack Tomas is a great player, but he's, he's young, and he's not a finisher. It's we're not expecting him to be to score 20 goals a season. If he scores 10, 10 goals a season, 
that that's that's a good season for him. Uh, he's more like of a nine than a striker by definition. Um, he, he's good for the last 25 minutes. I hate to say it this way, but he's not a, a striker for 90 minutes. He's more for uh, 25 minutes when, when our main strike is already exhausted uh, out of guys, and then you can put it in and put him in because he bullied the, he bullies the, def- the defense. Uh, but that's about it. We can expect from Jack Tomas. I do like him, but um, it, it, it takes him 10 chances to score one goal, uh, which is not good. Um, so I was expecting more from Pelinha because he's our most expensive uh, player in uh, the whole uh, sporting history, 16 million. And so far, he's, he's been struggling. Um, and and it's not good. It's not good. It's a lot of pressure on him. And the, the more games he doesn't score, the more pressure he'll feel. And then um, now we have their fans on the, on the stadium. Uh, now they're supporting him, but sooner or later, they will whistle, they will complain. And <laughs> it's just the way, it's the nature of the beast. It's just the way it is. I mean, you see the Premier League is the same thing. So the Portuguese League is a bit more aggressive when, uh, as far as the fans are concerned. So definitely we should have bought another striker, but Ruben Amorim, for some reason, he just wanted to keep... Uh, Paulinho and Tiak Tomas, which I think that was his death, death sentence if those two players don't deliver anytime soon. Yeah. and Yeah, no, go ahead. No, 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 carry on. No, I just I just think that Sporting don't have... they For me, they, they don't have quite the same uh, financial power as Benfica do. You know, Benfica can can go, you know, break their transfer record on Darwin Nunes, who, you know, had a had a pretty bad season last season. You know, they realize they got it wrong. Still a lot of time left for them to turn things around, but but they can realize they got it wrong and then um and then go out and spend what, seventeen million on Roman Yaremchuk. You know, that's something that I, I don't think that sporting are capable of. Um so it's not, it's not, I'm sorry yeah. to cut you off, but it's not because we're not capable of. The thing is, uh, Frederic Verandes, since he came to Sporting, he's doing business the proper way. As, as you know, Benfica, that's not the case. I mean, there's a lot, a lot of obscure businesses going on that... Uh, we I could mean, have just spent that same amount of money on Polino and gotten Yarochuk. I mean, he was linked to us. We could yeah. have literally done that deal, you know, to be fair. I have no idea whether if he just gave the money because they're inside a big hole. Yeah, well, a lot of things are about to come out in the next couple. And yeah, months. as soon as the new <laughs> years, you know, wins the elections, <laughs> we'll see how the finances are at Benfica. I don't know how they pull off these deals to tell the truth. <laughs> it baffles me. They got oil, oil, man. They found oil. No, it's, it's a lot of businesses from Vieta, and and uh, they kicked them out to the curve, and uh, it's embarrassing, actually. But we'll find out sooner or later. Yeah, um, pretty much now they're on. Yeah, they do get money from everywhere. But um, let's, let's move on to um, the Porto game. Um, so it was one-one draw in the end. Um, quite an entertaining and a bit um, a rough game of football as well. Uh, we start the lineup. We have Adan, Neto, Coates, Vidal. Pedro Porro, Jo Polina, Matus Nunes, Ruben Vinagre, Nuno Santos, the goal scorer, Paulinho, and Jovan. Uh, substitutes Sarabia, Esgayu, Matus Rice, Bruno Tabata. 
Uh, Steph, I'll start off with you. Um, what were your thoughts on the game, um, man of the match, and just just your general thoughts? Uh, I should. Uh, well, the man of the match, I'm gonna I'm gonna agree with Zach. It was uh, Costa, your Costa from Football Club Port. What a what an awesome uh, young uh, goalie. Uh, he put out some great saves. Uh, nonsense. I think he plays the balls well, but Dio Costa, he guessed it and he pulled some amazing saves. Um, with that said, the whole game, um, Porto had more possession. Like I said a little while ago, 56% against 48% of Sporting. But we had the better chances. We should have won the game uh, by 4-2. Uh, we, we kept our composure. Um, when we had the ball, we, we clicked as a team. The dynamics were good. Uh, we did feel the, uh, the absence of uh, Inacio. Uh, Inacio not playing, uh, you could see that um, it was a little bit shaky on the right wing with Nets. Even though the Nets did pull up a, a great performance, but we knew that Luis Suarez was the, the, the best player of football Cuport after 48 hours of... Uh, of uh, being, you know, he, fl he flew from uh, South America to to uh, to Europe, and he was exhausted, and he still played amazingly. Um, and we should have paid more attention um, at Luis Suarez because that kick should have never happened. I kind of blame a little bit of uh, Net. I think Pelinha was inside the box as well when he took the shot. That was a great shot, nevertheless. Great goal by Luis Suarez, no questions about that. But uh, our Sporting deserved to win the game. Easily at the first at the halftime, we should have been up three nothing if uh, if uh, scored those three goals. Uh, but you know, it didn't happen that way. Um, we tied the game, but I saw two PKs. Uh, I don't know if you will question that later. Uh, yeah, I've got the pictures and everything. Yeah, okay, okay, <laughs> we'll examine it. Yeah, yeah, right. To me, yeah, that two clip PKs one push on quads and then another, another. A punch on his face or chin uh, and um, it don't matter if he was close to the ball or not close to the ball when you punch somebody at least a red card should be shown and that's an automatic PK because it's inside the box and uh, I question the VAR why do we have the VAR if they can even call those calls uh, it doesn't matter if it's a classic they should be able to call it they didn't uh, 13 yellow cards I believe Almeida showed and one red card, embarrassing. It does not promote the Portuguese league. If anything, uh, other friends from other leagues, from other countries, when they see that kind of game, I don't think they 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 want to see. They want to watch our games. It's embarrassing. It's way too much. Too many yellow cards. He lost control of the game from the get go at the, at the seventh minute. I think four, four yellow cards were shown to to us in football court, and it doesn't speak much volumes to to our referee portuguese referees it's an embarrassment uh, i mean the day before i was watching a premier league game and the referee was more concerned about talking to the players and controlling the game that way than showing yellow cards um so I, to my my advice to our and uh, the portuguese referees is to uh watch the premier leagues and see how it's done uh because that's not how you control a game he's conditioning uh, in this case, Sporting and Porto for the future games, uh, the, the, the coming games, by showing so many yellow cards. Uh, in, in this case, example, uh, the striker from Porto, uh, Martinez, 
he won't be able to play. And I, I didn't think he deserved two yellow cards. Uh, he deserved one of them, but not two in the red card. I think that was way too aggressive. And I'm a Sportingista saying that. Um, but uh, the, the, the MVP was Joe Costa, and the worst of the worst of the game was Nuno Almeida. I don't even think he should be a referee in the Portuguese league or any league. It doesn't matter. Not even Infantis, uh, the lower lower age kids. Well, well the VAR was was Juan Pinheiro, right? Yes, it was, yes, it was, it was Pinheiro. It was a character, I feel like. I, I mean, the storyline. Yeah. Okay, and that's all I have. <laughs> uh, yeah, Chris, take it away. Uh, just just to ask you as well, so just what your thoughts on the game was um, and your man of the match. Yeah, I mean. Like not to not to repeat too much of what Steph said, but yeah, I mean it's it's a game where we we had the better chances. Um, probably we dominated probably you know sixty percent of the game. Porto had a probably a forty percent spell of the game where they were where they were dominating as far as possession wise, but they weren't really carving out better chances. I mean they had one shot on target. It's the it's the goal. There's not much that Dan can do about that one. I mean that's a it's an absolute banger, right? No no chance. It literally was like a laser beam. Like Luis Diaz is in is in great form, and yeah, it's. Uh, I guess it's just it's unlucky to be honest. We're, we've often been the beneficiaries of that. Uh, the the one like uh, you know especially last off, season, quite, especially quite last time. season. So yeah, yeah, it's just kind of. I guess we got we had it coming eventually. Um, the the chances in the first half that we had new sense. I mean, I feel like it's tough to ask him to score all three. Be nice if he scored two of the three, though. Um, but yeah, Diogo Costa did make um, a couple good saves. Uh, obviously, there's like the uh, the PK incidents. Um, I guess for me, at least, uh, I'm not so sure uh, how how the, the the punch is even supposed to be handled. Because uh, it's like it wasn't like a direct uh, play on the ball or anything, but it obviously it's still illegal. You can't do that. I think the ball was already in the air. I, I don't think it had been like you know stopped. The, the ball like was was in flight, but it, it it landed at like the near post, and they were like you know maybe you know seven yards you know behind them or into the left. Uh, so I don't know. But to me, the second one is actually more egregious because that's a clear goal scoring opportunity. Kawatsa is, is is lining up to just to head home from 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 about four yards out, and he he. He gets a shove in his back, and it it does just enough to to put him off. And it's literally the reason he didn't head the ball and make contact. I mean, the the expected goals on that chance would have been like you know point six eight. You know that, that's a that's a, a, a such a good opportunity right in front of the goal, free header, four yards out. Um, it's I I don't I don't really know how they don't call that. Uh, I know you mentioned to me in the chat, Sam, like it's because no one really appealed. And it is true. Like, Kawats kind of like went like that, but no one was like freaking out. I guess some fans whistled a little bit, but it was just kind of, we, uh, we got we to yell at the ref more. I don't know what you're supposed to do. I feel like it's the VAR's job to, to pick that out. And to, and to be fair, it's harder to pick out an off-the-ball incident in the box. The punch because it's not even like why would you be necessarily even looking for that? I guess he was down on the ground after that, so then maybe you could go back and look and see what happened. But it's like you're definitely not looking for that in real time. You look, you're just following where the ball's going. 
But that one, it's like he's going for the ball and he gets a two-hand shove. It's like you should be able to maybe see that in real time and definitely be able to sort it out afterwards at the VAR. And they, they opted to not intervene, maybe because they didn't want to feel like they were having a heavy hand on the Clasico. Maybe Juan Pinedo just hates us. I, I don't I don't know. Um, as far as the game goes, yeah, I, I think it's unlucky um, that, that we didn't get a result. Um, as far as like the individual performances that I think deserve a shout out, um, I think Poro definitely deserves a shout out. Had a good game, got the assist, was dangerous going forward on on several occasions. Um, Mateus Nunes and Pelinga, uh, I thought Pelinga actually played really, really, really well. Um, like uh, especially coming after like he's been playing minutes for the for the Celestin. Um He just traveled from Azerbaijan, which is not an, an easy trip, and. Uh, Sure, so he had a knock as well, so it wasn't that he was coming fully fit either. There's yeah, yeah, and he, he, he was great. He was great. Somehow, he was not among the 13 yellow cards. Incredible. Um, <laughs> would, would have lost money on that one. If you told me there was 13 yellows, he would, I would have said he for sure would have been one of them. Uh, yeah, he was, he, he was excellent. Um, and I thought Mateus Nunes alongside him was, was not as excellent, but, but also really good. Um, to be fair, the one thing you're ragging on Paulinho about, I mean, is this a good Paulinho game? Like, by his standards, this is, like, slightly above the mean, to be honest. He had right? that one chance, I remember. but The head, yeah, the flick header? Yeah, which that's wasn't not an a easy bad chance. chance. Though. Yeah, yeah, that's not an easy chance, and he forces a save out of the goalie. I mean, I don't know what more we can really expect from there. Um to be fair, like, you know the Sarabia uh, chance right at the end where he crossed it? That he got the ball in. Like, if that ball gets through, Paulinho has a tap-in in if the 88th minute. If defender, that, that's straight through. He just he's a, a hero. He's a hero. We're talking about this all completely differently because he's just scored the tap-in. But there was another chance, too. I feel like it almost got through to him. And if it did, he would have had, like, a chance right in front of the goal. So it's like if, if he just got two more chances, but – I don't know. I don't know. Who knows? Would he have? Would he have skied the open net in the 88th minute? Some, some will probably tell you he would. I don't know what would have happened, but I honestly don't even think this is this is his anywhere near his his worst performance. But obviously, it's underwhelming. Um, still, you know, in line with his 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 recent performances for sure. Yeah, hundred uh, percent agree. Uh, Zach, who who were your uh, what were your thoughts on the game, and who is your man of the match? I know you said earlier, but if you want to reiterate it or put some more points, feel free. Yeah, I mean, I think that Sporting were the better team. Uh, they should have they should have won. Zach, and there? yeah, can you hear me? I can hear him. Oh, I can't hear him. Okay, carry on. <laughs> I can hear him. Yes, I can hear you now. Yeah, go. So, yeah, like I was, I think that, you know, Sporting were the better team. Um, they deserve to win. Uh, overall, I think that, you know, the, the shove on Kowats, I think that was very, um, that, that, that probably should have been given as a pen. But so they can, they can definitely blame Joao Pinheiro, but also they have to blame themselves for the poor finishing. Um, it's also, I mean, obviously it's, yeah, so you bring it up right now. I, I think that was probably a bigger um that that was bigger than, than the Pepe um punch. Um so yeah, and and I think that sporting, you know, they, they definitely should have scored. They had a lot of opportunities. Remember the 
I think Mbemba failed to control a back pass and Nuno Santos was an on goal. And then, but then of course he came up against the phenomenal Diogo Costa. Costa, I really can't get over his performance. I mean, uh, probably Portugal's just to, just to, just yeah. to scoot in. It's going to be tough for marches in to get back in the team. And Diogo I mean, Costa is, is yeah. on the rise. It's on the rise for, for Portugal. It's good for Portugal. It's a good problem for Portugal yeah. to have for Porto. They're going to have a decision to make yeah. in like two or three weeks. No, that's that's true as well. I mean, Marcusin is a very good goalkeeper. Um, he was, I think, probably he was probably level with with Adon for like the best goalkeeper in the league last season. I mean, he, he kept Porto in a lot of games. Fact is, though, he's he's thirty three years old, and um, Kostal also is has has one year left on his deal. So if he gets, you know, if he gets kicked out and is and is you know like last season is only playing in the domestic cups, then I, I feel like he'd want to leave on a free transfer, you know? Um, but yeah, it is, a, it is a good problem to have, I guess, if you're Sergio Conceição. Absolutely phenomenal, though, performance from him, keeping Porto in the game. Shout out as well to, to Pep. Um, I know that he could have been sent off, but I think that he, he was quality, especially in the second half. Um, positioned himself really well to deal with some danger. Um, as well as Luis Diaz. I mean, Diaz... Like, there really aren't many good reasons to watch this Porto team, but I think Diaz is probably the biggest reason because whenever this guy gets on the ball, man, he's just pure excitement. Um, and, you know, less than two days after playing in Barranquilla and scoring a goal, to, to you know, be in the starting lineup as well as, uh, Tecatito, as, as, well as Tecatito and Uribe, who, of course, were also playing uh, shortly before. But, but to score that incredible goal, man. I, that, that's just, that was just incredible. Um, so at the end of the day, Porto had to rely on their individual quality in the form of Diaz as well as Costa. Um, was it undeserved? Maybe, but I also, I, I personally wouldn't say that Sporting were robbed. Um, I think that they, they have themselves to blame. They had plenty of good opportunities that they could have converted, but they didn't. Um, so, so yeah, overall, I don't know. I mean, I think that Amorim, um, I'm not saying that he coached a bad game, but I feel like his in-game management left a bit to be desired. Um, I felt like some subs could have come earlier. I know that I think just like a few seconds after the Ishkayo Rice double sub, uh, Diaz scored, which is, to be fair, a lot a case for a lot of games, you know, because teams will sort of lose concentration, you know, and, and allow them to 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 come through um i don't know i think poro probably should have been off prior because you know while while he was good he did look a bit gassed i think um i would have probably had him off earlier i'm honestly surprised that daniel braganza did not come on i mean i know that he's made some some performances um he's, he's made some off the bench performances but i don't know i felt like a game like that was kind of crying out for a player like braganza it's true that mateus nunes had a decent game as well but I don't know. I think that having Braganza would have allowed them to to control the play a little bit more, not allow Porto to to have um, to to get into those dangerous zones. But at the end of the day, it was a bit of a freak occurrence, you know, coming up against a goalkeeper like Diogo Costa, as well as Luis Diaz, you know, pulling something out of thin air. I'm pretty sure that was the only shot on target that Porto had. I think that Porto had five shots one shot on target. Um, so that is, I guess that is a positive sign 
in that sporting were definitely the better side, despite missing out on um, Gonzalo Inacio and uh, and Thiago Tomas. But it also is an indication that you know those these occasions that they had, these chances that they had, you just can't miss them at this level because you're going up against a team like Porto, you're going to get punished, and and they got punished. Yeah. Um, I just to add to that, uh, my thoughts on it. So I'll talk about the cases first. So the Pepe one, I don't think is is um, a penalty or a red card. For me, it's just I feel like some of them steel images look a lot worse than they do in real time. If it's not a full punch. Time, it's it's like... not a full punch. It's a seventy-five yeah. percent punch. It's not a yeah. closed fist. It's like a. It's like a. It's almost like it's trying like to a... like what they do at corners where they just try and like push each other out of the way. I think it's just. Yeah. It it did connect, no doubt, but yeah, I don't I don't think there was any malice behind it. I know Pepe has got the history with it, but um, I th- I think it's just one of those cases where a still image looks a lot worse than it does in real time. Uh, the Quartas one uh, for the push, completely agreed that was a penalty. Uh, I said to Chris, if if more sporting players ap- appealed for that, then the VAR almost has to take a look at it. But the way they sort of just played on, I don't know if that was due to any sort of because everyone was on a yellow card or something. They just didn't want to appeal to try and get another one. But yeah, three yellow cards in the first two minutes is is ridiculous for any league, let alone ours. Um, Yo, let me interject. Let me interject, because I just remembered something. Remember when Altavio went down and in a heap and was attended by the medical staff because of the slap? Or yeah. I mean, Jovan made contact with his face. 100%, yeah. And And then he saw yellow for that. There's no reason that the Pep one isn't at least a yellow at at the minimum, right? Because it's worse than that. And the other he already decided that that's his, you know, criteria for, for a yellow. So But the the yellow is weird because I thought Marcano's first yellow was harsh and then Ruben Vinagre for our first yellow went straight in there off the bat, like took him down deserved yellow card and then there were some cases where Marcano should have seen a second yellow I thought but even in our case Pedro Porro could have seen a second yellow if we were playing it that way I think just in general the ref wasn't wasn't the best um overall but um for me uh Diogo Costa was fantastic Nuno Santos I think was just was a bit nervous the the occasion might have got to him he scored the first goal wanted to be the hero you could see that he took the shots way too early he could have taken another few touches but I think he just panicked. Um, Pedro Porro was man of the match for me for sporting. Um, it's just another great game from him, I thought. Um, but yeah, um, other than that, Steph, I'm not sure if you, you've you seen the, the cases we just had on screen. I'll get them back up again just to get your final um, opinions on them. So did you think um, it was any fouls? Sorry, let me get the right screen up first. Uh think it's this one so what do you think of this one um it was it was uh deal costa catching the ball and running into Matthews noons again the still image looks looks a lot worse was there anything in this one do you think steph i mean when when you look at the picture itself you you would say that that's it's a pk uh when you look at the whole play uh in a regular motion uh then you have doubts uh so so my question is why do we have the VAR? The VAR is, exists to make those tough calls. It's not up to me or, or Zach or Chris or you or uh, any Portista or any Sporting to make these calls. It's up to these professionals. 
So was that intentional? Uh, th that's the question. If it was intentional, then it was a PK. If it was part of the play and, you know, he couldn't avoid it, then it's not a PK. But that's why we have, again, the VAR. And if they can make those calls, then we need the French League to lend us some referees, which ha will happen sooner than later, ASAP. In your opinion, though, do you think that's that was deliberate, or you think it was just a collision? Yeah, to me, it's a to me it's a PK. You could see the maliciousness. Uh, look, look at the, his footing of Diego Costa. He went there purposely. He could have broken his colleagues, his uh, his uh, fellow uh, players, professional player uh, ankle. Uh, I mean, it's 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 around the vicinity. Of uh, of being super aggressive, he should have show, be shown a, a red card, and he should have been a PK without a doubt. I just think that I mean I, well, I'm not even one to that that that's one to known to cry about the referee, and I'm not even crying that much about the referee for this game. But it is truly hilarious that this is against the known number one crybabies. Like these guys are are unmatched, at least in the last like year or two. And they're crying. And, I mean, it, like, it's just so funny that, like, in such a critical game like this, yeah, the Bosch, the boys. I mean, where is, where is what the fuck's his name? Uh, Marx, right? Like, where is he going to come Francisco out with it? Yeah, any statements today, big guy? Or, you know, like, it's just... To, to me, it's the most cringe. It's the most cringe football club on, yeah. on the planet right now for me. To me Super so Dragoy is so cringe. FC Porto, like communications department, so cringe. Like just overall, like the cringe club of Portugal in my eyes. Uh, you can disagree if you want and think Benfica is worse or whatever. But I, Porto for me is unmatched recently. To me, to me, it's really simple to explain this specific play. If we have no VAR, I would give the benefit of the doubt to the referee. But we have the VAR, and they chose to be silent and not do anything about any tough call and to me that's hard to swallow, then it defeats the purpose of having the VAR. No, no it's so funny because you, you know that the VAR would be willing to intervene if this was sporting more it is, right? They don't feel like there's a, a massive pressure on their backs. Like, oh, you call the PK? Uh, it's it's more it is, whatever. But they don't want to make the big calls in the big games because they're, they're cowards, you know? That's the only thing that I can think of, you know? Yeah. Yeah, um, I'll, I'm going to just agree with Chris about the, the, the most screens coming in Portugal. And I don't mean this in any malice, but like Sergio Conceição is like a known sort of thug. Even back in his playing days, he's got the, the Rasa mentality and you've got Otavio, you've got Pepe. And I'll give credit to Porto. If you have those players in your team, then you love it. Watching Pepe play for the national team and shit house his way through games is fun. And it is great to have. And that's why I think Otavio on the national team is probably a good thing to have as well because he he does piss off a lot of opposition players. But um, in terms of the whole the whole club, it's like I said, it's, it's sort of from the top. You've got uh, Concesal, then you've got Pepe, who's obviously um, very... I, I'm not sure if he's the Porto captain. I think he might be. And then it just goes all the way down. So even even to the, the son of... of um, um Concesal. he's just just with that as well it, main strategy with him is to sub him on late to try to draw a pk which is just a, a hilarious you like the like I'm, I'm the pk drawer off the bench is his is his usage <laughs> yeah. 
Definitely. Uh, Zach, as the, as the unbiased one um, here, what, what are your thoughts about Porto in general from an outsider's perspective? My thoughts on Porto in general. Um, look, I think that Porto, you know, obviously a tremendous club in terms of what they've been able to achieve. Um, no Portuguese club really comes close to them in terms of European output. But I definitely, I, I definitely have to say that they... Um, uh, I think that they are are very hypocritical in one sense, and I also think just like looking at the looking at the guy who's in charge of it, charge of their social media, you know, a complete crybaby, somebody who will just you know accuse journalists and other people of being biased against them, you know, like go out like Porto Central like accusing Bruno Andrade and all these other journalists of being biased against them, but then absolutely say nothing when they're accused. You know, it's just they're a very easy club to hate. Um, I don't. I don't hate Porto any more than I hate Benfica or 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 Sporting. You know, I, I don't. I don't really support any of the big four. Um, you know, I'm I'm the kind of guy who would prefer who just who typically prefers like upsets to happen. Um, but yeah, I'll be honest. I I don't think that Porto. I, I think that that Porto are a poorly run club. Um, I don't think that they're necessarily a better run club than Sporting, to be honest with you, because when looking at looking at their recent business, you know, they have allowed the likes of Hector Herrera, Yassin Brahimi, um, and in a few months, probably Tecatito Corona and potentially more uh, to leave on free transfers. You know, very good players allowing them to leave. And looking at Porto's financial history, looking at their debt issues... I mean, that's something that I feel is going to come back to bite them. And, you know, they can they can accuse referees of being biased. They can accuse journalists of being biased. At the end of the day, uh, though, they they I would say that they are um, they they had an opportunity to dominate domestically. They did. Um, and, and and of course, you know, they, they got two league titles in three seasons, which is great. But. Are they going to win it again this season? I mean, they they certainly have a chance, but I I don't know. I I think that for me, looking at looking at them, you know, from a financial point of view, I'm I'm the kind of guy who who really is interested in in the financial perspective. You know, did not s- sell a single player this summer, uh, whereas Benfica, okay, they brought in some players, but they also sold likes of Pedrinho, Luca Waldschmidt, Nuno Tavares. Sporting, obviously, letting go of Nuno Mendes. Porto did not sell a single player. Um, they loaned out Diogo Leite with an option to buy. That's, you know, not quite the same. Um, so I think they will be in some some financial trouble soon, sooner rather than later. Um, so, so yeah, that, that's something to keep an eye on. Um, and, and one thing, you know, like I said, I, I don't, I don't, I don't root for sporting over Porto or, or Benfica over sport. You know, I, I'm I'm not really that kind of guy. Um, but one thing that I've always disliked about Porto, especially under Sergio Conceição, maybe only under Sergio Conceição, is just their failure to take advantage of their world-class academy. You know, for me, Porto's academy uh, is 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 an elite-level academy. Um, I don't know if it's if it's necessarily better than Sporting or Benfica's, but I would argue it's it's in that same ballpark. They've produced some phenomenal talents, and yet really not many of them have gotten the opportunities that they deserve. Uh, Diogo Costa, 
okay, fair enough. You know, he, he's come into the team after Agustin Marquesin's uh, injury. Um, João Mario, okay, I'll, I'll give I'll give Sergio Conceição credit for not only giving him chances, but also recognizing the potential to convert him to a right back. But then you look at other players, you know, Vitinha and Fabio Vieira, arguably the two best players in the U21 Euros um, for, for Portugal. Both of them have played, I don't know, a combined total of, I don't even know how, how much they've played this season, you know. And, and frankly, that's, that's just a, a serious misuse of talent. These two players are, are frankly good enough to be playing anywhere. Um, you can look at so many other examples, Diogo Leite, um, as well as Romario Barro, now at Storio on loan. Um, I just, I, I personally think that they, obviously they're not the only ones, you know, Sporting and Benfica have also had their fair share of, of struggling to take advantage of the talents. But uh, for me, that's that's the biggest, that's the biggest thing that annoys me with Porto. It's just so much young talent at their disposal. And instead of giving like Vitinho or Fabio Vieira a shot, you go and spend like, 10 million on Marco Grujic and like start Bruno Costa. Like, okay, decent players, but you know, are they better than those guys? I, I don't know. I think that's, that's probably my biggest issue. I can totally see though, your, your point about kind of like the crybaby mentality with, with regards to um, both Sergio Conceição as well as Francisco Marquez. Um, but I think that, I think that we see also a bit of that in, in other uh, top clubs such as Benfica and Sporting. For me, though, the biggest issue, biggest issue I have with that is just like the poor, how how poorly run they are, um, both in terms of selling as well as bringing um, bringing young players through uh, into the first team and giving them chances. Um, you know, do they have to start? No, but at least give them a chance to prove themselves. And we frankly have not really seen that under Conceição. Yeah, I mean, you hit it nail on the head there for me as well. So I'm just going to bring this last point about Porto. I've got stuff to talk about um, Verandas in the same sort of shell. So um, Porto fans and the management, the Basta campaign last year was so funny because when they were found guilty of corrupting referees or they got off on like an OJ Simpson, you know, he didn't do it type of type of way. But um, to then complain about referees not calling stuff in your favour is just laughable. But, um, you know, it's, we, a bit of the riders being and gone, we can forget about that. But just in terms of of, um, of, of to sporting, like you said, I think Chris and Steph would agree, especially recently, Verandas' comments have been, you know, in, in interviews and press releases is about the rivals. And it's like, well, we don't really care about if we've won more titles than Frequent and Porto. We just want to win titles we don't care about them and the fact you have to keep mentioning them means that you're clearly worried about them and that's your sort of of goal i don't know if steph or chris have anything to add on on his recent comments you muted chris by the way oh yeah, yeah. no I, I i definitely noticed that too and he hasn't even really said that much as i would have thought he would have recently he's gonna start you're gonna start seeing him pop up a lot more as we enter the election season i guess we're technically in it um, I mean, well, I hopefully, you know, bring you some more coverage of that. If there even is an election to cover, or if it's just him running unimposed, then there's no coverage to bring you. So we won't do that then. So, well, yeah, we'll be, we'll be tracking it over the next six months or so. Um, but yeah, yeah I mean, he, whenever he does speak recently, he's always, he's always, yeah, he's always chatting about the rivals. So, um, 
that's great, man, that, that we've won more titles than them in the past, uh, you know, two or three years or whatever. But uh, let, let's keep it going. Let's keep it, let's keep it rolling, right? I mean, uh, let's, let's, you know, set a new standard for the club, right? Uh, it's, it's a guy who's always talking about, you know, Nobu Sporting, like a, a new, a new, a, a new club, a, a new leaf, a new chapter here. So in the, it, it, uh, the old chapter is the sporting is the third club in Portugal, right? That that's been the case for like 75 years. So in this new club, then maybe we can be, uh, you know, the, the, the perennial powerhouse of the country. Um, so if that's the truth, then uh, I don't see why we need to constantly be measuring ourselves with, uh, with other clubs. Yeah, agree. Um, you said about election season, I, I, it doesn't matter who runs for me. I feel like Brandis has got it in the bag. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I agree. Even I if agree. they let Bruno Cavallo come back, there's no way he wins that election. Um, Steph, do you have any any thoughts? I think I think Inacio, uh, Inacio is probably the only person who could maybe challenge him and get, and he probably would still lose, but it'd be like 60-40. But anyone else is going to be like, you know, 80-20 or something. Yeah, definitely. Uh Steph, I'm not sure if you had any um comments on Veranda's latest um comments or just him in general recently. I, I agree with uh, David Oliveira. He just uh he, he hit it on the on the head of the nail. I like Bernardo's communication style last year. He was so quiet. It was awesome. And Mourinho was the perfect communicator. You need, you need to go back to that. Totally agree 100%. But he uh, needs to puff himself up in the next six months to uh, ensure your vote. So he needs to talk more. But the, yeah. the problem is, is when he talks more, he, he often yeah, does if, that. If it's, if it's below 30 seconds, I'll take it. But it shouldn't be no more than 30 seconds. He'll go seconds. away again. after If he wins in March, he'll go away again. But he needs to talk, you know, right now. Yeah. Yeah. So whatever Vanelli is doing behind the, the scenarios, is it's working. Because if you look at the club overall, we did amazingly uh, in 2021. Not only in our football team, but also modalities. We dominated, exception for handball, which was Porto. And they deserved it. They have a better team. And they feed in volleyball. And we still managed to win the, the Portuguese Cup. So... Everything else, we crushed it. So whatever moves they made, uh, they offloaded all the uh, all the extra players, and we only kept Renan because Renan doesn't want to doesn't want to accept any deals. He basically says, "I'm comfortable in Lisbon, collecting my paycheck, and it's not his fault." I mean, the contracts were signed, and it's our fault. Uh, but you know, I have to give kudos to Vienna and Verandes by offloading all the other players, uh, because even though we only sold a couple, uh, but those couple all together at the end of the summer, it could be uh, up to 75 million altogether. So that's that's good business uh, because uh, a lot of these players were, were making 1.2, 1.5, a lot of money. And to, to, pay, to pay a player not to play and to, to be practicing with the B team and not even playing for the B team, to me, kills me. Uh, so good job, good job on that front. Uh, besides that, what he said, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a realistic comment. He's not lying about that. All he did was Google the stats. <laughs> we won more titles than if you can put, put together the, the last two years. He's not lying about that. But, you know, it's not something to really be to, to, like excited about because who dominated the last 10 years? 
That's that's how I look at it. I don't look at two years only because it's convenient for me because I'm running for elections in, in next year. <laughs> so the last 10 years has been a mix of if you can Porto and they're the ones who've been dominated. So now we're trying to come in and and reinstate ourselves and and, and be at, at the final decisions, which that's where sporting should be. We should be at the uh, final of the Portuguese Cup for the Portuguese League the League Cup, the Portuguese League, like we won last year, and if and if we go that way, we will win uh, trophies, and uh, and that's why I want to see Sporting. Are we going to win every year the Portuguese League? I don't think so. But uh, if we win six out of ten, I'll be a, a happy camper. Uh, and then in the middle, if we win Portuguese Cups and Portuguese Leagues, uh, League Cups and uh, Super Cups, I'm a happy camper six, too. Six league titles in the next ten years. That's pretty good. Deal, deal. Deal, the done deal. You've got yourself a deal, partner. Exactly. So, no, but uh, I have to give kudos to Verandas and his administration because him as a president, as a communicator, as a communicator, he sucks. But overall, if you look at his, his administration, how he built his team, they're doing pretty good. You know, we, we held on to most of our team. We only sold Noon Mintz, which was a key player, but the whole team, we kept it. And I think we only felt in not getting, and everyone is saying that, everyone, including Zach, that's not Sportingista, not Portista, not Beifiquista, not Breguista, uh, you know, we, we felt in getting a striker. We should have gotten another striker. It's too short for the team. Because look, look at it now, Inasu, he came back, but he's still hurt. Bart is still hurt, he might miss Ajax, and he might miss Estoril. And Estoril, they're playing good, they're in second place. They have 13 points, so be careful. Uh, because don't think this game is in the bag because it might not be, uh, you know. And with that said, that's what I gotta say. Yeah, um, we'll get on to Ajax a bit later. Steph, I don't know if you have your modalidades ready or do you need some time to get those? Uh, I mean, I can wing it. Basically, uh, our ladies won uh, the Super Cup, and I think Denny spoke about it. And uh, the our Spanish bracket that we just got scored the goal, and Juan and Marshall scored the second goal against Benfica, which is a super team. Uh, I have to give kudos to the uh, Benficistas. Uh, they they qualify for the Champions League. It's the first time ever for uh, a ladies team. So kudos to them. They have a great player. I wish she was our player, Chloe, the Canadian. Uh, too bad we didn't get her because she's an amazing player. She, she scored a hat-trick on the last Champions League game that qualified them to uh, the group stage. So, you know, I'm fair and square when it comes to, to that stuff. Uh, the basketball team, Chris mentioned it on Twitter. We lost badly. Uh, the first quarter was evenly. We played, we played like shit. Uh, yeah, yeah, after the first quarter, we played like yeah, shit. We did. Second quarter was a disaster. Third and fourth, I don't even, even mention it. So I don't think we're going to. The Champions League is done because we needed to win the three games. So we might qualify for the Liga Europa, the second tier, but we have to win the last two games. And then if we lose one, we're not, we won't qualify for anything. So it's not even the Liga Europa. This was already the Liga Europa. It's like more like the conference, I think. This was the Champions League. The, the other one is there, like, but uh, there's still like the Euro Basket, which is above this still. Yeah. FIBA. Yeah. Yeah. So, so this was already the second or third. But yeah, yeah we missed out. Yeah, we done. End of story. Yeah, but we still need to win two games to to go to the uh, least important uh, international competition. Um, then in uh, volleyball, our ladies won the uh, tournament at Porto. Uh, so kudos to them. 
in uh, table tennis, we won the Super Cup. Kudos to them. In track and field outdoors, we won, ladies and gentlemen, and gents. So kudos to them as well. Um, we uh, lost in handball against football club Porto, 39 to uh, 34 to 29. Uh, Porto overall is just a better team. We're not going to have a chance this year unless we get in a last-minute great player because they have the better team. I don't see Sporting Obifico, ABC, getting even close to football club Porto handball. I think they will dominate. Um, in basketball domestic, I think we still might, might have a shot to uh, to conquer the second title. But that's all. Our team is built for domestic competitions, not international competitions. Okay, in Patins, we lost uh, in the Elite Cup. And then we we were fighting for the fourth and fifth spot. We won against Mifika 5-3, which was a, a good scrimmage game. It didn't count for anything because that cup is not – it's actually an official cup now. I just learned it today. So we could have won that cup, but it was won by Okid Barcelos. They won against uh, Football Coup Port 5-3. So good for Okid Barcelos. The last time they won a, a official competition was 15 years ago. Don't ask me why I know this, but I just know it. Um, it's, it's not even my team, but I, I like I like uh, Modellidad. They're always right there, but they're, it's tough for them to win a title. You know? Yeah, yeah. Uh, our national team in futsal won 4-1 against Thailand today uh, in the, in the uh, futsal uh, World Cup. So that was a nice start. Uh, we started losing, and then we tied the game, and then uh, the, uh, the the Sporting Gishes, we fi finally dominated Zik, uh, 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 Eric, and then uh, Varela. They scored the other three goals, and we won 4-1. Uh, that was a good game. Uh, overall, I'm, I'm very optimistic with the, the modalities. I think this year we'll have uh, uh, a good season overall. Futsal is looking good. Okay, Patins is looking good. Uh, I don't really pay attention to what happened to the loss against uh, Juventus Vienna because you know it's just it was just a scrimmage game. Uh, the real competition will come soon, though. We have uh, the uh, Latina Cup um, that will play against the Spanish team for the final. So we better win that one. And um, and uh, in uh, in the youth, we've been okay. This uh, under twenty three, I think we tied one one against Fadens away, uh, right, Chris? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. In the under seventeen juveniles, we've been dominating. Uh, under nineteen juniors, it's ups and downs, ties and wins, but we haven't lost. And Iniciad's the same thing. So, uh, you know, for now, that's all. The season is about to start for for the modalities, and uh, the best of luck to them. Cool. Uh, thank you, as always, Steph, uh, for that. Um, we move on to our final uh, stage of the podcast. That is a preview for Wednesday's game at 8pm versus Ajax in the Champions League. I'm going to hand this one off to, to Zach. Uh, I'm not sure how much um, Ajax you watch, Zach. Um, for me, I don't know about Chris and Steph, they, if they watch uh, much Ajax games. I know they won 2-0 last week with a special Halle Brace. Um, do you think Sporting's going to struggle? And what, what are your predictions and your favourites for the game? Yeah, I'll be honest. I don't watch much Ajax. Um, I obviously have, I've watched a lot of Ajax in the Champions League under Eric Ten Hag, but I, um, I don't have a great idea of how well they've done this season. So I can't comment too much about that, but as for Sporting's point of view, um, 
I think that they will. Dutch International Davy Claussen is out. Um, that's coming out tonight. Right. Uh, just putting that out there. We're missing players as well. We're going to miss, be missing Pot and uh, Ignacio and Tomas are against rushing against and the Kowal clock. Says, and Kowal Kowal suspended. suspended. Yeah. So right. going to be short at the back, <laughs> probably. Anyways. <laughs> yeah, short at the back. Without Coats as well as I think what Inacio potentially he's yeah we'll see if right. he's fit so potentially yeah I mean that that would that's definitely a big blow um and yeah I mean Ajax they are a tricky team to play against um and we we've seen that in looking at European competition um they have quite a few um tricky options in attack. I think looking at like Sebastian Hilaire, Dusan Tadic, um, Steven Bergweiss. Yeah, I think that I think that with Putin quad suspended, um, it will be played at Sporting. But I don't know. I think I would expect Ajax to probably be favorites um, for this game, looking at the amount of quality they have. Um, and yeah, it's it's a really big test for Ruben Amorim. Um, I guess it is the first, well, the first Champions League game he's coached ever, first European game since, since what, Lask, um, Lask Lins, right? So definitely going to be a big test for them, but I don't know. I I feel like, you know, uh, without Coats and without Potts, it's going to be really tough to, to secure a victory. Yeah. And in, in theory, it's supposed to show, if we're, as far as looking at advancing out of the group, like home game against Ajax, I mean, all, the, all three of the home games you got to be looking at as opportunities to secure three points. So, I mean, I guess we'll see how the game looks, but a, a draw, uh, I mean, I guess it's not the worst result in the world. I mean, if we get battered, we're definitely uh, <laughs> in trouble. <laughs> Yeah, I was just looking at their recent fixtures. You know, um, they've won two games, uh, 5-0, once against uh, NEC and once against Vitesse. They did uh, draw to FC20. Um, but, you know, like Zach said, they're always a team that are in the Champions League. And, like, I mean, it's not that long ago they made it to the semifinals, I believe, or quarterfinals against Spurs, um, which, I mean, a miracle run, but it shows they have the quality to to get there. They, they've still got... a quality players, Sebastian Haller, Tadic, as you said. Um, but looking at our other opponents as well, so uh, Dortmund travel away to, to Vizikas. And it reminds me of like an NBA NBA uh, playoff game one that we need to win, sort of set the president, um, or the president, sorry. Um, if Vizikas can always take points away from Dortmund, especially in the atmosphere of Turkey, you know, Vizikas uh, fans are absolutely mental uh, when they want to be. <laughs> So there's definitely uh, a reason to shake it up. But, um, they'll get up. They'll get up for a European night. A hundred. We'll see them on Twitter, especially when we play them. They're, they're all over. They'll invade. Yeah, they'll invade the pitch. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what are your thoughts, Chris, on on Ajax? Um, do you know much uh, much about their recent form? Or? No, not not much more than anybody else. Um, and just like reading stuff on uh, on Twitter. Um, yeah, I, I think that they are. Uh, they're 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 looking at it the same uh, the same way we are. They they see it as uh, a result that uh, that is attainable. Uh, but at the end of the day, 
Um, you know, they they probably realize they're on the road. Um, you know, I, I'm sure that they'll probably take a point out of this game. Um, we'll see what happens. Uh, maybe at the end of the day, <laughs> we'll be happy to take a point, depending on how the game looks. Uh, but I, I feel like a loss would be uh, a loss would be not good, um, especially if the other uh, especially if the other game has a winner. Uh, if Dorman wins two nothing, you know, and, and Ajax beats us, then uh, the, the the pace is set, you know, and, and we're we're behind it, you know. Yeah, definitely. Um, Zach, I just wanted to get your opinion as well on the other game in our group, which is um, as I mentioned before, Dortmund traveling away to to Bajikas. Now Dortmund is everywhere; everyone knows them. They've got some star power with Haaland, and they've got. Uh, Portuguese international uh, Rafael Guerrero. They've got Marco Royce, uh, Hummels. They've got a, a really good team. How do you envision that game going? And would you agree that Dortmund are probably the favourites to to get top spot in the group? Yeah, I think I'd, I'd probably say Dortmund um, are our favourites to get top spot in a group of let's see, Besiktas, Dortmund, Ajax, and Sporting. Yeah, I would say I, I caught a bit of the. Um, of the Leverkusen match. Um, I also watched a game against Freiburg where they lost two to one. Um, you know, having, having the likes of, um, Erling Haaland and, 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 uh, Marco Royce and Daniel Malin. I mean, ton of quality in attack as well as in midfield. I think the defense is probably their biggest weak weakness. Um, They've brought in, they've brought in Gregor Kobol to to uh, provide an upgrade between the sticks. Um, but looking at that defense of, I mean, Rafael Guerrero, he's a quality player. But on the other, on the on the right side, um, I would expect it to be Tomas Munier, um, who I think is a player who could be easily. Picked apart by 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 some of by the likes of Pedro Gonçalves and um, and and Chauvin. Uh center back pairing. Um, you know, Manuel Akanji is 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 a good quality defender. We saw that at the Euros. Um, likely going to be playing next to, um, I think, probably uh, Pongracic, the new arrival from Wolfsburg. Um, I think that, uh, but, but in general, I would say the right back as well as central center defense is probably their weakest point. Um, but looking at their quality just in the team, I don't think that, I don't think that Sporting um, or or Besiktas or or even Ajax have, have that same amount of quality. Let's not forget that they gave Manchester City quite a tough time um, in the quarterfinals last this this year. Yeah, um, I don't know if, if Steph's here, but um, if I'm sure he'll turn on his his camera when he's back. But Chris, uh, just just asking you the same question. Um, Brigitte has Dortmund, like I said, not an easy away trip to go to. But um, do you envision the same result as, as Zach as Brigitte Dortmund being the outright favourites? You're still muted, by the way. Yeah, I I agree. Um, we'll uh, we'll see what happens. Obviously, uh, we'll see how good Besiktas looks. Right, it's another you know team that I actually <laughs> I actually watch a lot of Besiktas. I hate to admit it because 
uh, I have BN Sports in our cable package here at the house, and um, they uh, so I get I watch more French league than I care to admit. I watch more Turkish league. They had La Liga last season, but they just lost it to uh, to ESPN here in the states. And yeah, it's behind a paywall now, so. No more, no more Barcelona games or anything like that. Uh, it's behind a paywall, so I have to illegally stream, which I don't really give a shit about La Liga that much. So, yeah, I, I actually will, I watch more Turkish league than I care to admit. So I, you know, they actually have a pretty good team as well, um, and they signed the the, the Pjanic, I believe, uh, on the on deadline day, just as yeah. a nice, nice addition. Um, yeah, we'll see how they look. I mean. I think this group's actually really, really wide open. So the first weekend will be, uh, or the first match week will be interesting to, yeah, to to see who sets the pace, to see what what's expected, you know. Yeah, uh, definitely, Steph. Um, your predictions for Sporting Ajax and what you envision of the game? Obviously, without Coates being suspended, part definitely out, and question marks on Inacio and Thiago Tomas. I, I I really don't know. I mean. The last time we, we played a comp, an international competition game, it's been a minute. Um, I think it'll be a total surprise for us against Ajax and Ajax against us. Uh, we're both similar in a lot of things. Uh, we have a lot of youth. Uh, we we uh, we play our youth. So it'll be an interesting game to watch. And I'm actually – I took a vacation day because I – I, I wanted to make a point to watch the game in peace because uh, sometimes I have to watch the game on my phone when I'm at work and you never fully pay attention to the whole game. It's a lot of distractions going on. So I, I made a point to take the day off just to watch the first Champions League game of Sporting in our group stage because it's been a minute. So I don't know. I really don't know. I hope we win, of course, being a Sporting Easter. But Ajax said they... Uh, they 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 pretty good, but they I believe they lost lost against PSV for the Super Cup badly. Um, so so let's let's see what's going to happen. Uh, but if you want me to guess, I'll say a, a, a two nil or, or two two nil or two one in our favor. Okay, uh, Chris, score prediction. Are we going to tabulate the Champions League predictions as well? We might as well have the separate table for the Champions League. Yeah, we'll, we'll have the separate cha- the, the uh, table of champions. God damn it. Uh, uh, sporting 1-1. One, one. Um, yeah. Cool. Uh, Zach, do you have an official prediction for um, the Ajax game? Um, I'm going to say 2-1 two, two, Ajax. Oh, no i i i don't i don't know i i would like to see sporting win honestly um i'm no i'm by no means a sporting vista but i think that you know i i I like i like to see portuguese teams do well in europe so you know i i was i was cheering when porto knocked juventus out um because you know i think that I think that any any Portuguese team doing well in Europe is, is something to be proud of. Um, so so yeah, I hope I'm wrong, but, but I, I just I think you know first Champions League game for a lot of these players, um, whereas Ajax, you know a lot of these players are fairly experienced. Personally, I, I think Ajax uh, take this one. I'm gonna go. I think one 0 Sporting. 
just I think that's the safest option. Um, like you said, it's a home game, so it gives me a, a bit more confidence than it would be being an away game. Uh, we're on, we're still unbeaten at home. I think from the start of twenty, so maybe like July twenty twenty or something like that. We've been unbeaten at home. The last so, time we lost in the Europa League, just just at home in general. Yeah, no, that was that was home. Oh, was it? Oh, okay. Yes, yeah. Oh, yes, it was, wasn't it? Yeah, yes, that was it. We lost four two. Yeah. Yeah. So we're we're on a streak, and hopefully it continues. But I mean, it's not like a solid prediction. I'm not like a hundred percent guessing it, but I'm I'm just gonna go with with the one nil. I think. But um, yeah, that that wraps up uh, 100 episode 124. I don't know if any of you guys have anything to. Do you wanna add. do we want to do Estoril as well while we're here? Yeah. Uh, on Sunday. Yeah, Estoril, uh, 8.30 kickoff again uh, for us. Sunday night, uh, yeah. Yeah, another late one, unfortunately. Uh, I'll start off. Estoril, I feel like I'm going to get a goal, but I'm going to go, I think, 3-1 Sporting. Go ahead, Chris. Um, okay. Uh, away at Estoril, who is ahead of us in the table. Uh, Sporting's already four points behind Befica. And they're technically chasing Estoril as well. Kind of an important game on the, out the back of a very important Champions League game. Uh, one nothing Sporting. Matthias Nunes goal. Oh yeah, I've got to guess the goals. I'm going to go for uh, Nuno Santos to get one, um, and then Pot to get the other two if he's healthy. I think he's out. I think he's ruled out. out. Yeah, he's out. Let's go. Let's go. Yeah, Jack Nuno Santos, Paulinho, and Jack uh, I, I want to go left field. Uh, Pablo Sarabia. I'll go with Sarabia to get his first goal. Okay. Oh, that'd be nice. Yeah. And Chiquinho uh, for Estero, because I know he's scored quite a few already, I believe. Yeah. Um, Zach, do you have an official prediction for Estero Sporting on Sunday? I think Sporting take this one. I would say three to one. Uh, I'm gonna say Nuno Santos, Palinha, and um, I think Chiquinho as well. I, I like him to score for Estoril. Um, and I'm gonna say yeah, Sarabia coming off the bench and bagging a debut goal. Nice. And Steph, last but not least, I'll say two nothing Sporting. I'll say Palinha and. Um... And quads, and uh, to totally agree with Zach about the Champions League, I wanted to say before, but I was waiting for this moment. I want all the Portuguese teams to win. It's super important because we just regained the fifth place in the UEFA uh, rankings. We passed France, but we need to keep the momentum. If we don't, then we lose it, and everyone will benefit uh, if we if we think like this way. Uh, but having the fifth place, I believe that uh, the first and second will go directly, and the third will only have to play one, uh, one, uh, the group stage, playoff, group yeah. stage playoff. That's it, not the third playoff. So that's that's very important, and I believe we'll go with uh, an extra team in the Liga Europa, uh, the Europa League. So good luck to to uh, Sporting, Benfica, Porto, and Braga. That, that we we lost two teams. Uh, so France, they still have... Rest in peace, Pasfereira. 
and Santa Clara. Santa Clara. And, and nice Frank, runs, boys. Frank said we just passed. They still have six teams. Yeah, that's going to be a problem. They're going to pass us within so, like two match weeks. It's really important to support our, our teams indirectly, uh, even though we don't like them that much domestically, but internationally, everyone should be thinking, let's go Portugal. That's, that's all I wanted to say. And one thing I would also say is that, like, we've talked a lot about how much, like, we hate Porto and all that stuff, but, like, Porto have, have low-key been carrying uh, Portuguese teams for a while in Europe. You know, they've made it. Make the knockout rounds almost every time. Yeah. They make it to the knockout rounds almost every time. And I think they've made it, what, 25 times at this point. I think only, like, what, Real Madrid have more. Um, and, of course, they've, they've made it far quite a few times, whereas, like, so Benfica, um, have, have crashed out sporting, you know, haven't really done any better than Benfica. So I think that this is definitely a unique opportunity, you know, having each of the three Portuguese teams in the group stage. And it's like, I feel like it, this needs to be, this is super important for, to, for them to prove that, look, okay, being fifth in the UEFA coefficient, you know, it's not just a fluke, you know, it's, we are actually improving a lot. Um, and we've seen, we saw just like last season where we're, okay, yes, Porto made it past Juventus, you know, incredible achievement. But um, but then the, I think, what was it? The, I mean, obviously Sporting um, losing to Lask in August, um, Benfica going out to Arsenal, um, Braga losing to Roma, you know, like, Okay, some t- tough opposition, but this is this is Portuguese team's moment to prove that look, this is not just a fluke. We are actually the fifth the fifth best team, uh, fifth best league in the world, you know, and we are not just like going to be carried by by Porto, who you know, for all their flaws, will have have a pretty damn good record in Champions League, uh, especially under Sergio Conceição. Yeah, no, without a doubt, Porto's done phenomenally in uh, in the Champions League. But we can't take away the credit, even including Sporting last year. We did terribly. We didn't help at all. We didn't get a single point for the coefficient. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> one game, one loss, eliminated. Yeah. No, we we beat Aberdeen. I think oh, we, we beat that. Aberdeen. Right, right. We got like point two points for the coefficient. <laughs> But before that, because the coefficient, it's the last, uh, it's the last uh, five years. So one, the 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 lot, the season out, the season five years ago. Yeah. And then it goes on to 2021-22. So the worst season we had went away. So now we have the best seasons, and that includes outstanding performances by Sporting in the Liga Europa, because it's the same point system in the Liga Europa and Champions League. Porto did well in the in the Champions League, and they've been doing well every year. Uh, I'll give I'll give them that much. But Sporting and Benfica, and taking away last year because we didn't do shit, uh, they did fairly well in the Liga Europa as well, which gave a lot of points to Portugal because Porto couldn't get all these points and uh, Portugal clinching fifth all by themselves. It had to be uh, uh, as well Benfica, uh, Sporting, and Braga. Braga also they were very consistent. The last couple of years in the Liga Europa, Porto did bad in the Champions League, but everybody else was giving points to Portugal also in the Liga Europa. I don't want that to be a misconception and to be missed. But indeed, uh, give it to Porto. The best we ever did at Sporting was a quarterfinal. 
and uh, Porto has reached the final, won twice, semifinals, quarterfinals. They're the better team in the Champions League. Kudos to them. As far as international, Porto is the best team in Portugal. They have seven titles. Benfica has two, and we have one. And Braga, if you count, if you count the Intertot Cup, they have one as well. Yeah, I believe the last time Sporty made it out of the group stage was against Bayern Munich, and we all know how badly that that went down in 2009. Uh, I believe, correct me if I'm wrong. But yeah, we, we definitely need um, a bigger outing this year. But um, yeah, that wraps up um, Podcast 124. Um, thank you, Zach, for joining us. If you want to follow him on Twitter, it's at Zach Lowy and at um, BTL uh, Vids. Correct me if I'm wrong, Zach. Uh, do you have any any final thoughts? Oh, thank you so much for for um, inviting me onto the podcast. It was a real pleasure uh, to come on and, and meet uh, Christian and Steph. Um, yeah, I definitely want to be collaborating more with you guys soon um, and keep an eye out uh, in the next few weeks for, for my interview with uh, – an ex-sporting player who is who is making a name for himself outside of Portugal. Most definitely, uh, I'll be I'll be uh, watching live. Yeah, that's exciting. <laughs> that's exciting. I like it. Thank you. Thank you. That's yeah, awesome. def- definitely be retweeting that. And just for your information, me and Chris will be on your screens again this week or Thursday, same time, um, for a review of um, an Ajax game that we have with a special guest yet uh, to be announced on Twitter. So do follow us there at Sporting160 underscore EN. Same with Spotify, Sporting160 EN, Instagram, you know, Danny likes to say TikTok and OnlyFans as well. Coming soon. <laughs> But yeah, uh, thank you all for watching again. Thank you for Zach. Make sure to follow him on Twitter. Uh, Thanks again to Chris and Steph for always joining us. And we shall see you soon. Once I get the banner up and I can find it. Leave us parting.